as a whole, the continent of Africa doesn't really have the best public image. In 2006, 34 of the 50 poorest nations according to the UN were located in Africa. This includes South Sudan, the world's poorest, where the GDP per capita is $230 per year, or 63 cents per day. The average GDP per capita in Africa is a little less than $2,000 per year. Meanwhile, the poorest U.S. state, Mississippi, has a GDP per capita over 20 times this size. As a matter of fact, the island nation of Seychelles is the only African country with a nominal GDP per capita that exceeds $10,000 per year. It is somewhat surprising, too, considering that the region is believed to hold 90% of the world's cobalt and platinum, 50% of the world's gold, 98% of the world's chromium, and 33% of the world's uranium. The Mali Empire of West Africa was once ruled by Mansa Musa, believed by some to be the wealthiest man in human history. Yet, of all the inhabiting continents in the world, Africa is the poorest and least developed. This is because many African nations have a history of colonization by European nations, corrupt governments, and rural isolation. The good news, however, is that Africa appears to be on the upswing, economically speaking. As a whole, Africa has an economic growth rate of almost 4% per year, and this rate is expected to hit 6% in 2023. Recently, the Chinese government has strengthened its economic ties with African nations, making China by far Africa's largest trade partner. Each year, Chinese companies invest an estimated $1 billion in African nations. In many ways, Africa is on the same path as China was prior to the 1990s. This has led many to believe that Africa may, in the near-ish future, experience the kind of exponential growth that China did. Even prior to this, however, some African countries have set themselves apart from the pack in terms of economic growth. One of these countries is Botswana. Bordered by Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa, Botswana is a landlocked country located within Southern Africa. With a population of less than 2,300,000 in the world, and a land area of over 200,000 square miles, 47th largest in the world, Botswana is one of the most sparsely populated countries in the world, with fewer than 10 people per square mile. Located in the southeast of the nation, Gaborone is the capital and largest city in Botswana. Although the official language of Botswana is English, the tribal language Setswana is the first language of almost 80% of the population of Botswana. In terms of ethnicity, 79% of the population are Svana, 11% are Kalanga, 3% are San, and the remaining 7% are of non-native ethnicities, such as Indian, Dutch, and British. With regard to religion, 73% of Botswanans are Christian, with most adhering to Protestantism. 6% practice African folk religions, 1% adhere to other religions including Hinduism and Islam, and the remaining 20% are atheist or irreligious. Now, based on what I just said about African nations and their economies, 
you might be interested to hear about Botswana's economy. Botswana's figures are certainly nothing to scoff at. Although Botswana has a nominal GDP per capita of less than $8,000, when purchasing power parity is considered, the GDP per capita of Botswana shoots up to over $18,000. This is a comparable GDP per capita to those of China, Mexico, and the Dominican Republic, and it makes Botswana by far the wealthiest country in sub-Saharan Africa. Botswana's annual GDP growth rate is roughly 7%, making it one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Botswana's humanitarian indicators are perhaps even more impressive. Botswana has a human development index value of 0.735, the highest in sub-Saharan Africa, putting Botswana in the high human development category. Botswana also has a life expectancy of just under 70 years, or roughly equal to Washington, D.C.'s average life expectancy in 1990. What makes all of this even more impressive, however, is that when Botswana was first established, the average citizen lived off of $70 a year and could expect to live, on average, less than 50 years. The astronomical progress Botswana has made since then can be traced back to one man, who can best be described as a visionary and a political genius. I'm going to tell you all about him right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 55th episode of this podcast, and I really hope you enjoy it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Seretse Goitsebang Mafiri Kama was born on July 1st, 1921, in the village of Serowe, located within the Beshwana Land Protectorate. At the time, Beshwana land was a British client state officially ruled by the British monarch. However, most local governance was performed by tribal chiefs and monarchs instead. Case in point, Seretse Kama was the grandson of Kama III, the king of the Mangwato tribe. His first name, Seretse, translates from the Kalanga language as the clay that binds. In 1923, Kama III died, and Seretse's father, Segoma Kama II, became king. Two years later, Segoma Kama II died, and Seretse Kama became king of the Mangwato at four years old. As a young adult, Kama traveled to Oxford University in the United Kingdom, where he studied to become a barrister. It was here where he got himself into hot water by committing the unforgivable crime of marrying a white woman. In June of 1947, Kama met Ruth Williams, an English woman working as a clerk at a law firm. 
The two bonded over their mutual love of American jazz musicians, particularly the vocal jazz group The Ink Spots, which would eventually perform its last show in Wildwood, New Jersey. One year later, Serretse and Ruth Kama were married. Kama's uncle and regent, Shikete Kama, was outraged, as he believed that the young king should marry a woman who was also from the Mangwato tribe. Seretse and Ruth Kama were summoned back to Beshwanaland as the tribal elders considered whether or not Kama was still fit to reign as king. Upon returning to Beshwanaland, Ruth Kama became an instant celebrity due to her fiery personality and unmatched intelligence. The tribal elders sided with the king and his bride, but a more concerning threat came from outside Beshwanaland. See, in nearby apartheid South Africa, interracial marriage was a big no-no in 1948, and the British government, wanting to maintain superpower status through nuclear proliferation, depended on the uranium trade with South Africa. Realizing that Kama's interracial marriage was a danger to British-South African relations, the British government summoned Kama to London, where a judicial inquiry found that Kama's marriage made him unfit to serve as king of the Mangwato. Soon afterwards, in 1951, Seretse and Ruth Kama were indefinitely exiled from Beshwanaland. South African Prime Minister Daniel Malan would later refer to the marriage between Seretse and Ruth Kama as, quote, nauseating. Tanzanian President Julius Nyerere, meanwhile, would dub the marriage, quote, one of the great love stories of the world. After being exiled from Beshwanaland, Seretse and Ruth Kama moved to Surrey, England. Ruth was pregnant at the time, and in 1951, she gave birth to their only daughter, Jacqueline. Two years later, their eldest son, Ian, was born. After pressure from the Mangwato tribe, the British government reluctantly allowed the Kama family to return to Beshwanaland in 1956 but only after Seretse renounced his tribal throne. After Ruth Kama gave birth to twin sons Anthony and Shaketi II, Seretse Kama briefly worked as a cattle rancher, but he strongly disliked this job and instead aspired to improve his homeland as a leader. In 1957, Kama got involved in local politics, and he won his first election for secretary of the Mangwato Tribal Council. In 1961, he founded the Beshwanaland Democratic Party, which explicitly rejected socialism and pan-Africanism in favor of Botswanan nationalism. In 1965, Kama ran for Prime Minister of Beshwanaland on the BDP ticket. He was successfully able to woo the independence-minded electorate, and he won the election in a landslide. As Prime Minister, Kama worked tirelessly towards his homeland's independence from the British Empire. A year into Kama's premiership, the UK finally agreed to grant independence to Beshwanaland. On September 30, 1966, the Republic of Botswana was established. Under the provisions of Botswana's new constitution, as Prime Minister, Kama was to become the first president of the new nation. But with the presidency, Kama inherited several problems. In 1966, 
Botswana was the third poorest nation in the world, with a GDP per capita of $70 per year. The entire nation also had a combined seven miles of paved roads, an average life expectancy of 49 years, and only 22 college graduates in a nation of half a million people. To an average person, making such a nation become prosperous would seem like an impossible feat. Of course, Suretse Kama was no average person. When deciding where to start for improving Botswana's situation, Suretse Kama first looked at the financial assets that Botswana held. And to be fair, these assets were there, but with a major obstacle. In addition to the already dominant industry of cattle farming, Botswana had massive copper and diamond reserves, but with no equipment to mine these resources. In 1967, this became even more important with the discovery of the world's largest diamond reserve in the town of Orapa. And of course, when your country only has 22 college graduates, 21 excluding Kama, it's pretty difficult to find people to manage the economy and government. To resolve this issue at hand, Kama retained British officials who initially ran the colonial government. This move was very unpopular among pan-African activists who sought to indigenize the Botswanan government, but Kama understood that merit-based hiring was the only way to ensure that government officials were well-educated and did not engage in corruption, which was the cause of the downfall of Burkina Faso, run by the similarly ambitious Thomas Sankara. These government officials took out a massive loan from the International Monetary Fund with which Botswana purchased mining equipment and paid citizens to mine the reserves. Once a substantial amount of resources were mined, Kama used his charisma to convince Western nations to buy their resources from Botswana. This export-based economy raked in enough money to continue running the Botswana government and repay the IMF loan, and it even created a massive budget surplus. From the 1960s to the 1980s, Botswana had by far the world's fastest growing economy, and Kama invested this money in infrastructure, education, and perhaps most importantly, vaccinations. Tourism to Botswana boomed, bringing in even more money. Botswana was even able to ditch the South African Rand in favor of its own currency, the Botswana Pula. Speaking of South Africa, the mid-1970s saw frequent incursions into Botswana by South African and Rhodesian white supremacist terrorist groups. Although Kama refused to harbor anti-apartheid militia groups, he did allow the nonviolent political wing of the African National Congress to operate out of the Botswanan capital Gaborone. South Africa and Rhodesia did not like this, and they covertly funded attacks on ANC offices in Botswana. Up until then, Botswana didn't even have a military, as it had to focus on domestic projects. But in 1977, in response to South African and Rhodesian incursions, 
the Botswana Defense Force was established, the BDF was able to ward off these white supremacist terrorist attacks, and in 1979, Botswana would ultimately be the one at the negotiating table when Rhodesia was dissolved and the Republic of Zimbabwe was established. Soretse Kama was massively popular among the Botswanan electorate, winning re-election in 1969, 1974, and 1979 with over 75% of the popular vote each time in completely legitimate elections. If he so desired, he really could have easily become a dictator with popular support, just like many other African leaders of his time. However, Kama never pounced on this opportunity, as he strongly valued the rule of law and the equal protection of every citizen. The most serious threat against Kama did not come from the citizens of Botswana, rather, it came from his health. Since 1960, Kama had suffered from type 2 diabetes, and in 1976, after years of suffering from heart and kidney ailments, he had to have a pacemaker installed. The coup de grace to Kama's body came in 1980, when he was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. One month later, on July 13, 1980, Soretse Kama died in his sleep at his home in Gaborone at the age of 59. Kama's vice president, Kwet Masire, took office after his death. Similarly to Kama, Masire governed very pragmatically and received tremendous support but political and military pressure from apartheid South Africa worsened under his tenure. Following the implementation of a new egalitarian constitution in South Africa in 1994, these threats to Botswana ended. In 2002, Kama's widow Ruth died from throat cancer at the age of 78. She is buried next to her husband in Gaborone. Since the 1990s, the principal issue facing Botswana has been the HIV-AIDS epidemic. In 2005, due to HIV-AIDS, Botswana's life expectancy hit a record low of 35 years, and even today, Botswana has the third highest prevalence of HIV-AIDS in the world, as almost 25% of the adult population has HIV or AIDS. In 2008, in what you could call Botswana ex machina, Soretse Kama's son, Ian Kama, was elected president of Botswana. During the younger Kama's presidency, sex education and contraceptives helped to decrease HIV transmission, and the mother-child spread of AIDS was nearly eradicated through cesarean sections and pre-exposure fetal treatment, allowing Botswana's life expectancy to rebound to almost 70 years. Ian Kama served as president until 2018, and although Botswana continues to battle HIV-AIDS, the prosperous democracy created by Soretse Kama lives on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly enjoyed writing it. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. 
feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.